In who is your favorite character, and why? Um. Oh gosh, it has to be Babinski, man. I just love his eccentricness and his his voice. Just just everything about him. The fact that he runs a mice circus, allegedly. I mean, come on, I love it. I, Mr. Babinski is absolutely spectacular, and I love at the end digging up the roses to plant beets. But my <laughs> my favorite part is when she first meets him. He just ha- like his goodbye is just like oh, and have a beat, and he just like pulls a beat out of whatever pocket he had a beat in, which <laughs> is just a whole beat. Yeah, which is not just... not the same one he was eating. <laughs> a different whole beat that he also had. I mean, just naturally, dude. The mice asked me to give you a message. The jumping mice? They are saying, do not go through little door. Do you know such a thing? The one behind the wallpaper? But it's all bricked up. Bah, so sorry. It's nothing. Sometimes the mice are a little mixed up. They even get your name wrong, you know? They call you Coraline instead of Caroline. Not Caroline at all. Maybe I work them too hard. Welcome to Passive Fear, the weekly podcast where we give our takes on horror movies and explore the opinions of our audience. I'm Ian. And I'm Marshall. And today we'll be having a look at Coraline, a stop-motion horror film made in 2009, written and directed by Henry Selick, and of course based on the novella of the same name by Neil Gaiman. It's just... Overall, it was just... What, what did you rate it, Ian? Because I, I love this movie. Are we doing ratings before the teaser now? Oh, wait. is oh it, I, do, I don't remember the orders. Holy crap. <laughs> Hit us with the teaser thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on. We could do either way. I mean, <laughs> no, no. hit us with a right. teaser, Ian. Come on. It okay. End with Coraline. Got it. Got it. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Coraline Jones, an 11 year old girl, moves into a new home with her parents. It's part of an old mansion that's been divided up into apartments. With her friends back at her old home and her parents busy with work, Coraline feels ignored and alone. In her boredom, she explores the dusty mansion and finds a mysterious little door in the wall. It soon becomes apparent that this door leads into another world. Could this door lead Caroline to everything she has ever wished for? And if it does, why? What does this new world want with Coraline? Damn, I can't believe you ended with Coraline. Dude, that's crazy. I know, right? Wow. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm curious how uh, how like common of a name Coraline is over Caroline. Like, I wonder because they they pl- they played on that throughout the movie. Yeah. Do you so, think it became more popular after the novella and especially I, this movie came out? I'd be curious to know because that's that would be fun. And do her name was Coraline Jones? I could have a Coraline Jones if I ever had a daughter or just a son and wanted him to get beat up every sus. Yeah, if that you viewers don't know, we actually have last names. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. Marshall's last name is Jones. How about that? I know. I like to keep it fresh. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> All right, now hit us with your rating, Ian. Let's hear it. Okay, so I gave this movie a 7.5 out of 10. Seven point, this might be our biggest difference, because I gave it a 9 out of 10, Ian. I'm not oh, huge wow. on I don't know if yeah. it's our biggest difference. You but don't think so? What is our biggest yeah. difference? 
maybe mother was her biggest one that could be it that could be it we'd have to check it out yeah but yeah anyway um yeah but i i liked it i I enjoyed it um i would say overall it's it's not necessarily the kind of movie i would watch but Mm -hmm. i i really enjoyed it i thought it was a good movie um yeah i mean what about you uh i i think there's just some spectacular themes throughout it and i i'm a sucker for a story of like too much of a good thing i think that makes for a really great story Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a wonderful premise and they hit just a whole bunch of different just beats that I think were wonderful. Babinski beats. Yeah, it's, it's, we need to make a brand. This would be perfect. But what, uh, I love is, so we took a little bit of a break from like super scary horror and just went into mm-hmm. kind of like the, cause the other options were Frank and Weenie and Paranorman, which, uh, also are not terrifying. Coraline was probably the scariest of the three. Um, yeah. And it's what I love is that we can have these really terrifying stories within kind of a kid world in a way. Cause I'm totally. this, this movie. I was up at night when I saw it as a kid. Like I was just like, Oh God, no, please don't come for me. Miss Beldum. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah, totally. It is really cool to sort of, um, it, it kind of reminds you of those old tales that people would tell kids. So they'd scare them into not getting into trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and this definitely does that. It, it's able to be sort of a, a story that you would tell your kids. I think my mom read this, the novella to me when I was little. Um, but it's it's still very creepy. And, and this movie does, uh, and, and the creepiness is the, is this movie. Like it's not, it's it's not sort of terrifying horror. No. Or a jump scare horror, or anything like that. No, it's all about sort of creepy, dark uh, horror within the, from the perspective of a child and that's pretty cool i like to see that um and i was curious did Coraline as a character did she inspire little nightmares i wonder because the whole raincoat look is very similar to what we see in little nightmares so i was wondering if there's any relation there if there's any kind of inspiration yeah the the video game yeah yeah it's interesting um i'd be it would be cool to see all the series and shows and everything where you have a main character in a yellow rain jacket. I wonder what the significance of that is, because I've seen that in other things as well. There's like uh, it, the, yeah. yeah. It's in uh, Dark as well. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, seems to really make an appearance in sort of the, um, like, that sort of stranger and, horror. And, well, I'm curious as to what it is about the raincoat, you know? Because yeah. usually we see it on kind of, it's cutesy every time we see it. I don't know about dark, but like every time we've seen it, it's been like cutesy little nightmares. It's you're playing a little girl that ends up being not entirely cutesy, but she's cutesy for the most part. Uh, mm-hmm. Coraline's all cutesy. You see, uh, what is it? Georgie. He's just a cute little kid. So yeah, that was, so it's always kind of associated with a cute character, which is interesting. Cause like the one character mm-hmm. who I think was wearing a raincoat that wasn't terrifying was, um, Oh God, what's his name? He's like the hacksaw, hacksaw slasher or something from SpongeBob. <laughs> the the hashing, the hack hashing slasher hasher. Yeah, hack slashing hasher. I don't remember Slash his name. Hacking hasher. <laughs> <laughs> it's some, it's literally a joke in the episode, yeah. but it's so real that you cannot remember that guy's name. <laughs> the hash slinging slasher. That's his name. That's it. That's it. Classic. Uh, well, anyway, uh, 
Do we want to go into the summary then? Well, Give a recap. First, I want to I want to say that our audience's rating is we we got a solid eight point one out of them, and for us, we hit like what a one po- or an eight point two five. So we were pretty close to the audience as well. Again, oh, that's weird. I I calculated it. Is <laughs> I got a seven point eight. What? Hold on. Oh man, did oh, someone man. submit one? Damn, I did all mine mentally, so that could be it. <laughs> Four. Oh, there's seven responses now. Someone added a score. Oh, okay. That since I sense. tabulated it earlier. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. All right. So swing into us with that. Well, the lowest score we got, I'll say real quick, was a four on the rating. Someone was just yeah. like Frick Coraline. Um, hate her so much. <laughs> hate, hate those beats. And then two people gave it a ten. And then we were like mainly in the eight to ten range. Just that one person was like, I hate this so much. So yeah. Which I, I can see, I think uh, I think you can get that with these very stylized movies. And I, I'd say it's definitely like niche. I think if it's not your movie, it's just not your movie. And that's just how it is. Totally. So yes, okay, hit us with the submarine, and I'm ready. Okay, we'll do. Also, my, my house is shaking because it's so windy, so I apologize if you can Ooh. hear rickety-racketing in the background. All right, well, anyway, <laughs> um, let's get to the recap. So I'm going to now summarize the whole movie and also spoil it because you can't do one without the other. <laughs> so uh, let's get into it. Coraline Jones and her parents, Mel and Charlie, move into an old mansion that has been divided up into separate living spaces and is now known as the Pink Palace Apartments. Coraline's parents are struggling to complete their gardening catalog, and so she is often ignored. Without her old friends to keep her company, Coraline goes exploring around the property. It's then that she meets the landlady's grandson, Wyborn, or Wybie for short, as well as the stray black cat that follows him around. Wybie later gives Coraline a button-eyed rag doll he discovered in his grandmother's trunk, and it eerily resembles her. After receiving this doll, Coraline, under her dad's advice, explores the old mansion. While doing so, she discovers a small door in the living room underneath the wallpaper. Coraline begs her mom to unlock the door to see what's behind it, and her mom agrees on the condition that Coraline will be quiet. Her mom finds the key in the old key drawer, a key with a button-shaped motif, and opens the door, only to discover it's been bricked up. During the night, Coraline awakens to the sound of a scuttering mouse. She gets out of bed and follows the mouse to the little door, except this time, it's no longer bricked up. It's now a portal to a seemingly more lively and cheerful version of the house. After Coraline goes in, she quickly meets her other mother and father, They look exactly like her real parents, except that they have buttons for eyes. More importantly, they appear to be more attentive and caring than her actual parents. After eating a delicious dinner in the other world, she goes to bed and awakens back in the real world. Later in the day, Wybie tells Coraline about his grandmother's twin sister, who disappeared in the mansion as a child. Coraline's neighbors, Sergei Alexander Bobinski, an eccentric Russian gymnast who supposedly runs a mouse circus, and retired burlesque actresses April Spink and Miriam Forcible, cryptically warn her about the door and of imminent danger. Bobinski claims that his mice told him Coraline should avoid the door, and April sees danger in Coraline's future after reading her tea leaves. Coraline visits the other world for a second and a third time, Each time, she is accompanied by the other Wybie, who to her relief doesn't talk, and together they enjoy the other world's entertainment. She sees the other Babinski's mouse circus and the other Spink and Forcible Theater Act. Coraline also encounters the stray cat from the real world, who can speak in the other world and frequently traverses between the two realities. 
The other mother soon offers Coraline the choice of staying in the other world permanently, but on one condition. She must have buttons sewn over her eyes. Horrified, Coraline goes to bed, hoping to return home when she awakes. However, when she wakes up, she finds she is still in the other world. When Coraline demands to return home, the other mother transforms into a taller, more skeletal version of herself and imprisons Coraline in a mirror. There, Coraline meets the ghosts of the other mother's previous child victims, including Wybie's great-aunt. They reveal that the other mother, also known as Beldum, used dolls to spy on them, ones that looked like them, and took advantage of their unhappiness to lure them into the other world. When they agreed to let Beldum sew buttons on their eyes, she trapped their souls. After Coraline promises to free their souls, the other YB helps her escape back to the real world. Upon returning to the real world, Coraline finds that her parents are missing, eventually realizing that they have been kidnapped by the Beldum. She looks for advice, approaching Spink and Forcible, who give her an adder stone. They tell her it can help her see what's been lost. Coraline soon returns to the other world, accompanied by the cat, where she proposes a game to the Beldum. If she can find the ghost children's souls and her parents, they will all go free. If not, she will remain in the other world and let the Beldum sew buttons over her eyes. The Beldum agrees to the game after locking the door to the real world and swallowing the key. Coraline ventures into the now hostile other world, using the stone to find the ghost children's souls. With each one she collects, part of the other world disintegrates until only the living room remains. Coraline then encounters the Beldum in her true form, a humanoid arachnid with needle-like fingers on her spindly metal hands. The ghost children warn her that even if she wins the game, the Beldum will never let her go. Using this advice, Coraline tricks the Beldum into unlocking the door by claiming that her parents are hidden behind it. And while the Beldum unlocks the door, she finds her parents trapped in a snow globe in the living room. To distract the Beldum, Coraline throws the cat at her, who claws out her button eyes, blinding her. Coraline grabs the snow globe and narrowly escapes through the door, and manages to close it and lock it with the help of the ghost children, severing the Beldum's right hand in the process. Coraline's parents reappear in the real world, with no memory of what happened to them. That night, the ghost children reappear in Coraline's dream to thank her for freeing their souls, but warn her that as long as the Beldum lives, she will never stop looking for the key. Coraline decides to drop it down an old well near her home, but before she does, the Beldum's severed hand attacks her. Wybie arrives, and after a struggle, destroys the hand by dropping a large rock on it. Coraline and Wybie then throw the key and the hand's remnants into the well and seal it shut. Soon after, Coraline and her parents, who have finally finished their catalog, host a garden party for their neighbors. Wybie introduces her grandmother, and Coraline prepares to tell her about what happened. The cat is last seen walking on the pink palace signpost before disappearing. And that's the movie. That's some good stuff, man. YB was an interesting character, dude, because, like, while it's terrible what happened to the silent YB in the other world, he, uh, mm-hmm. that, the, the silent YB was so much cooler. He was less annoying. <laughs> I'm going to get on that. Dude. I guess Coraline agrees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the main YB, I was just like, man, dude, you're just being a little crap just to be a little crap. Yeah, and we didn't, we didn't, uh, say this in the recap, but, uh, 
the other YB after helping Coraline escape. Oh, she yeah. later finds his well skin hanging around like yeah, the clothing empty. he was wearing at least yeah i don't yeah i mean it's it's sort of the same be skin, yeah. sort of puppets mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's kind of like well all right yeah <laughs> that's pretty intense <laughs> brutal dude um yeah you know i i will say um yb what he makes me think of is how this movie does mannerisms so well mm-hmm. <laughs> because he's the character with the most of them and that's where you can really see the movement of the stop motion animation. And it's just really well done. Uh, things really appear very lively and and creepy and weird <laughs> because of the motion. 100%, yeah. Um, one of the things that I remember making me grimace the most, which the movie really wasn't meant to make you like cringe or anything, but was when Bobinski drops down on her and she has her shears. She like holds them up over her. <laughs> And like Bobinski's about, he's he does a splits over. He's about to just impale himself. And I was like, oh no, Bobinski, why? <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that as well. Um, yeah, Bobinski hops down to tell her that what his mice told him about yeah the door being dangerous, and and yeah, he like hops over her. And he has really long, spindly legs, and then he sort of like goes down, and his. Uh, underparts are like an inch away from the shears that Coraline is holding. <laughs> he doesn't even seem to notice. <laughs> yeah, dude, he, he just has like, he's the ideal body type right there. Un, <laughs> unrealistic body goals for men. Oh man. Yeah, really spindly legs and arms and then a nice round gut. It is amazing. That's what we like to see. Um, overall, I also want to say that with the stop motion animation, it was really cool because I think it was computer generated when the mm-hmm. the other world was falling apart around Coraline. I think like as we saw it kind of like crumbling away and stuff, I think there was a good amount of computer animation in there as well working with stop motion to kind of make that happen. And I think that was super well done. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think they were able to really take stop motion and make it uh, in a modern way. And that yeah. was really cool. Like you still had that that real stop motion piece, that that art, but to to help elevate the actual film itself, to show more of it, to show what they wanted to show, they were able to incorporate uh, computers into that, and that that's neat. That's really neat. Yeah, and like you said, they elevated with it. They just kind of enhanced what was already there, rather than making mm-hmm. it this part is computer generated. This is the stop motion. They used it yeah. in tandem just super well. Yeah, like you still had oh, something I noticed is um, it might have been tea that was that was ready and you had the mm. steam coming out of the teapot and um. you could tell that that was um, uh, fluff, you know, mm-hmm. like like it was actual stop motion stuff. Like yeah. it was cotton or something that was shaped and that was really cool. Like they still kept all the art stop motion and uh, that was really, that was nice. It was spectacular, yeah. And in stop motion does have and you see this in tim burton movies has a real ability to make things seem a little creepy because uh because they're so lifelike but they're not so you're kind of getting to that um what do you call it the uh unheimlich uncanny valley yeah uncanny that's it um yeah they touch on like a weird area of uncanny valley 
which for anyone yeah. who doesn't know, that's just something looking almost human, but not quite human. And we can tell it's off. It's why we get unsettled by um, when we see AI like mm -hmm. robots speak because like they're acting so human, but they're not quite human. Yeah. And it is interesting that you say, you know, it is a like a realm of uncanny because mm -hmm. it's not the sort of uncanny that you get when you watch Polar Express, mm -hmm. right? Where you see all these kids are stop motion animated by Tom Hanks or whatever. <laughs> um you don't you don't get that uh but you do that get this sort of eeriness this this creepiness to it especially when you have the dark undertones there to support that mm -hmm. it's it's interesting because like every character doesn't like you see some that are more realistic looking but the dad in particular if you look at him uh <laughs> and i guess mr bobinski is a great example as well but there mm -hmm. are characters that just look farther and farther from like what would actually be a human like if you were to mm -hmm. translate them into um, a person with like Photoshop or something, it come out looking like that Bart Simpson or like all his skin is all weird because it's his hair and stuff. Um, yeah. They come out looking just freaky like that. And what it's interesting because they fill a certain role by doing that and they form Scott McCloud addresses it a lot and understanding comics, they form kind of an icon that mm -hmm. we can kind of fill our shoes in there and we can kind of identify with that character more because of their general shape and general kind of appearance rather than than looking super specific and they look unlifelike that lets you fill that in in their shoes yeah and and it's interesting um how they how they use shape to to make these characters mm -hmm. uh like like with yb of course he, his mannerisms and also his shape like where his neck protrudes outwards sort of like Coraline's dad mm -hmm. you can see nervousness and uh, sort of twitchiness. Oh, for sure. Um, and then with her dad, you can sort of see. I mean, <laughs> you've got that scene where that where that meme comes from, of him leaning over the computer and looking really tired. Yeah. Um, and of course, his neck protrudes outward like a whole foot in front of him. Um, sort of gives you that old dad rider sort of vibe. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then, and then the mother is straight, right? Like she's straight upwards so that you kind of have the sort of properness there. And the, she uh, likes men. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just one entirely straight, but, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, well, you would think so anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there was some subplot there. I didn't catch up. <laughs> um, I, speaking of the mother and father though, it, I saw why Coraline's world was so like the other world was so appealing to her. Because her mom was just so mean, dude. Like her dad was like, he was a little annoyed with his daughter, um, mm -hmm. but he would he would do like the, like corny dad stuff, like sing when he's serving dinner and all that. You know, he would do. Yeah. He would do those little like weird dadisms, even though he was kind of a bit of a jerk at times. But like the mom, she was relentless, dude. She was just like, get out of my face, you're pestering me. Like, oh my god, you can't. I hate you. I'll make you a deal. Leave me alone. And I was just like, jeez. And, and I have I have seen moms like that, and it is kind of rough. It's like, don't you even do you not like your children? Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's, brutal. It's kind of weird. And I mean, I'll give them this: like, some children are not too likable. Um, <laughs> I've definitely met the kind, <laughs> but well, generally because they're parents. Yeah, exactly. It's because their parents kind of act like that. So it's, but yeah, other mother was just so great compared to that dude. Like, the original mother was just such a jerk. Yeah, and I think and I think they definitely had to do that, and it's good that they did that because otherwise you'd see this other mother with her button eyes and you'd be like, "That's creepy. I'm not going in here." Whereas if you know, while it did sort of 
tip her off at first like she was a little creeped out by when she first saw it a little scared but Mm. then you had this really nice personality she was making food for her um you know all this good mother stuff that she always wanted she was paying attention to her uh and so that really was able to win her over because again she was really lacking that uh at home 100 percent um I think the mother not being likable at all in the original world, I think that's one of my few complaints of the movie because it just gave her no reason to go back. When, like, her reason to go back was just like, I don't want buttons fries, which I, anyone would feel. But it I would have been nice to see that her mom wasn't all bad. You know, like the dad. The, he, was, he had some good behind him, even if he mm-hmm. wasn't the greatest. But she was really just all bad. And, like, until the end when she's suddenly nice and it's just like, why are you nice? Nothing changes for you. <laughs> Um. And they did do that somewhat uh, where they did that was after they came back from the clothes store where her mother went by her, those gloves that Coraline wanted. Um, she, she said she was going to go out and get some food and that Coraline could come with her and pick out something that she wanted. Um, and of course, Coraline by that point was already annoyed because she wouldn't get her the gloves that she wanted. And, uh, uh, and her mother there, like she doesn't seem overly annoyed. She seems kind of, um, you know, kind of uh, like like if she kind of regrets um, not not getting the gloves for her, not being a little better. So I think that's where you get a yeah. little bit of we can see that she could be a good mother, even if she's not. A little bit, maybe. Yeah, I didn't even really catch that feeling, though. So I, I do yeah. think there could have been more, but that is a little bit of redemption. You're right. Yeah, so so I, I, I agree. Uh, they could have done a little more there. One of the weirdly creepy things in this movie as well was the... What are the names? Spick Enforceable or something? Spink Enforceable? Yeah, so the full names is... Um, gosh, I have it. It's Marion yeah, it Spink, right? So and... it's... No, it's, it's April Spink. April Spink. Miriam. Miriam Fossible. Miriam Fossible. So Spink Miriam. Enforceable. Dude, their dog collection is just so terrible. I can't imagine getting your dog <laughs> stuffed. I've known people that do that, and it's just so scary. It is. It is... It is weird. I think that's where you get really uncanny. Like in real life, that would be incredibly uncanny. Exactly. I mean, I I can hardly deal with. Um, I mean, I I think I'm a little more used to it. I can kind of deal with you know a deer head on the wall, but even mm-hmm. that, like if I look into its eyes too long, I'm a little <laughs> yeah, exactly shivery. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> yeah, like it's something that looks 100 percent lifelike and to do that with something that you have such strong feelings attached to it's just terrifying some that people do it and there's probably weird. good reason behind it maybe it brings some kind of comfort to some people but for me that's just i think a lot of people it's just not quite right yeah i mean i think especially because i would think most people agree that dogs are sort of like family members you know they're not I mean, I have to say they're not as important as my actual like, blood family members, but they're mm. still really important. I love oh, yeah. them a whole bunch. And I mean, when you have someone who you really love pass away, it's just you would never think about continuing to have them in the living room. Yeah, like, just there. That would just be that would just be really creepy. You won't be able to move on, really. They would always be there, but they won't be able to talk. And I don't know. It just it does not seem right to me no yeah by no means it's just so weird um so yeah that that was a really creepy part of the movie i uh, definitely gave you those creepy vibes yeah (laughs) oh oh jeez. and and also uh 
the movie did a really job setting itself up its, its themes with its introduction this movie actually had a sort of introduction sequence where you um had what's revealed later to be the 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 beldum um summing up and creating dolls or creating one specific doll the uh Coraline's doll and then sending it out uh this window i guess into the other into the real world um and it was an interesting sequence where you had the doll being made and i can't exactly describe why it was creepy but just with like the way that the buttons were sewn on and it was just it was lifeless yeah and there were all those angles it gave me very much um i don't know if you've ever seen this movie but nine um it's i don't think i have it's a pretty great one uh it kind of i'd say it just falls into a similar realm as Coraline. uh it's probably a little scarier than Coraline, but mm-hmm. it uh it's very much that kind of like lifeless look to things as they're being made and uh just seeing i think it's all the angles and just like the even the hand that is doing all of it isn't human it's very mechanical so yeah it's and the color tones of it all it makes for a really just creepy melancholy vibe yeah melancholy is a a good word for it um i was curious what do you think the beldum's like she's the so we're introduced to i've never heard of this the beldum um Mm mm-hmm what is her like goal? Because like obviously her goal is like get kids' eyes, which apparently are like their soul in a manner. Um, mm-hmm. But like, what it, what drives her? What is her? Does she just do it because she, for fun, or does a beldum, whatever she is, have to do that to survive or something? Like, what is what is? Yeah, her purpose? well, I think we get a few clues to that. Of course, this is a big question of the movie because the cat even says, "I don't really know what she wants with you. Maybe she wants to love you." and whatnot mm. i don't think that's it personally um not not in a healthy I, way at least yeah i actually i think the biggest clue that we get is the form that she takes on and also uh when Coraline's is trying to escape that sort of last when, when they're all in the living room and she finds her parents and everything the floor turns into this web and falls down and then uh of course bedlam by this point is this sort of metallic arachnid uh, crawling on this web so it really seems like this that she's essentially this sort of spider and she catches little kids with not so great lives in her web and then she sucks the life force out of them mm-hmm. uh i would assume to to nourish herself and also maybe to uh yeah to to entertain herself because she likes playing games so i think that she gets enjoyment out of uh out of sort of luring people in, luring kids in, and then uh, destroying them. I think that's probably, that uh, sounds pretty feasible to me. I like that. I like looking at her form to find that. That is really smart to do. Uh, do Wybie. Wybie was really interesting to me because the first time we see him, he's got this like weird mask on that like swaps between kinds of visions, I guess, or like different mm-hmm. magnifications. And then he's got like this weird mask later. He seems very like oddly tech oriented. Um, yeah. He has like a what like some kind of like gas powered or electric bike or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be curious to know more about YB and like why he, we don't question that too much, but like for a kid his age to do all that, he must have a lot of time on his hands. Yeah, well, I guess we have to talk about the fact of why he's named what he is because his full name is Yborn. Yeah, and. Uh, 
I mean, is it just me or does that sound kind of like why were you born? No, I agree. That is harsh. (laughs) Um, So I feel like he has a a disciplinarian guardian at the at the best at the very best. Well, Um, he he stays with his grandma. So I wonder what's up with his parents. Where are they? Yeah. So, I mean, I and I and I guess that's where his name comes from. And they must have left him with his his grandmother. Um, Maybe. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- there's an interesting backstory there with YB mm-hmm. um, and, and why, he, why he has mannerisms in his personality and, and why he's essentially, why it seems his only friend is a stray cat uh, and that he's very nervous around Coraline. And, like, even, his, even the shortening of the name is so harsh, YB, you know, like YB here or something. It's just, yeah, like, he's yeah. got a rough go of it with the naming. Yeah, definitely. Um, so definitely, definitely a story behind that one. <laughs> I, I looked into it some cause I didn't remember the movie too well. The well that we're first introduced to, um, mm-hmm. where she meets YB for the first time, uh, that she's trying to find with her dousing rod that ends up being poison Ivy, um, or poison Oak. But she, uh, she goes to it and it's like this ring of mushrooms around it, which mm-hmm. reminded me of two things. Cause one mushrooms often pop up where, they normally wouldn't if a body is buried there because hmm. uh, it changes like kind of the composition of the soil and makes it really appealing to fungi. Um, and secondly, they're in that circular shape, which is indicative of a fairy ring, which is almost kind of the premise from what I found of a fairy ring, like folklore, the premise of Coraline. The idea behind it is kind of the, what is it? The Lotus hotel and percy jackson you you go there mm-hmm. and you get caught up dancing with these fairies and it doesn't seem like much time has passed to you but like in reality it's years and years and to get out of it someone outside of the fairy ring has to pull you out um that's interesting and so i thought i was wondering if they were alluding to that at all because that 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 is just a great illusion if they were really just using it to like point out where the well is and they thought that was a good way to do it i'd want to hear the creators like kind of take on that mushroom ring that they made because it clearly wasn't for nothing. That, that's actually really interesting. I, I definitely did not read that deep into it. Um, yeah, you could definitely say that there's something there. Uh, and of course, if that that's when Coraline is looking for something to do, looking for to to not be bored. Yeah. And that's what. And she's looking for a well. I don't exactly know why she's looking for a well, but she's trying to be adventurous. And I guess she finds a fairy ring. You know, she does in in the movie with the 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 Beldum. and and uh, it's also interesting um, because of course later in the movie, uh, YB almost falls into the well. He falls into it, and then Coraline pulls him out because mm-hmm. they're being attacked by the uh, the Beldum's hand. So yeah, I that that would be uh, that'd be really cool to to know what's behind that. If yeah. there's a lot of uh, symbolism there. Yeah, I wonder if they're like, you know, that that's a fairy ring and there's a whole lot of this and we got like Norwegian folklore and whatever. Or if they're really just like, no, we just we needed to show where the well was. That was a good way of doing it. Um, <laughs> cool, though. I, I also want to talk about we have these characters in the other world that aren't mother. They're mm. created. So you have the father and he takes on this personality of. uh he kind of seems like the best of her father, like what she would imagine him to be if he wasn't so 
tired. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But more than that, what he does is he clearly actually cares for her to an extent, and he acknowledges his reliance on mother, mm-hmm. and like he, he was created by mother, like she is his his creator. Um, and like the other YB clearly doesn't. He's not happy being there in the slightest. Um, he he's created by her. He wouldn't have life without her, but he's so unhappy with it. Nonetheless, the the rats, they are just happy to serve. Seemingly, mm-hmm. um, the what, Spink and Forcible s- Sisters, they, they're totally good with it. And uh, Bobinski as well. Well, Bobinski's an interesting one because... Because I guess he is rats. Well, later he's rats, but like he was something before that. Like, because... He's he is the big barrel chested dude. And uh, mm-hmm. one weird thing I noticed was he seems more barrel chested instead of just round in the center. Uh just based on his clothing there. I don't know if that's just how the clothing was put on or if like he's like if it's kind of expression if it shows a better side of Babinski or something. Mm-hmm. But um like clearly he is Babinski there with the button eyes. And then the rats later fill in for him and they they run around in his suit and stuff and that's a really creepy line i love that little scene where they were just like she was just like you're just a reflection of babinski and they're just like we're not even mad anymore and then the the rats like oh my god wow that's really dark um and then but that was so like i feel like almost backstory to that is like that babinski was like sorry i'm not doing this anymore i can't i can't like mess with her anymore and so she was like that's it rats take his place go do your thing Babinski, you're out. Uh, it's just how I like to think of it. Maybe I'm just a Babinski mm. fan, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a uh... well. It also does bring up an interesting question of why would her own creations have minds and uh, ideas and and want to do things that she wouldn't want them to do? Yeah, like and... how the how the father, other father keeps telling Coraline things that he's not supposed to how YB of course saves her from the mirror why would they do that if they're her creations exactly like is does she not have entire control over her creations are they still kind of related to their other side more or less um yeah and my answer to that I would think it has to do with how she creates uh, because if we think that uh that taking children's souls is what nourishes her mm-hmm. and there's also clues to that and that when she takes the children's souls the world starts to fall apart that seems to indicate that the world is built from the souls of children mm-hmm. and so maybe there's still that life in there that she can't quite control the way maybe that's where you have the other yb feels for Coraline. i like that yeah it's they still have bits of the children in it even if it is the mother's creation properly um but yeah that i i was really just curious like why not make a more perfect creation but that i like that explanation i like i also like the idea of her just not actually being able to create from scratch she has to have a mold and the mold Mm -hmm. is the other person you know the real yeah that could be because of course she is basing these characters these creations on her world she's just making them a little different exactly yeah um but yeah overall i thought it was just really cool i i I thought it was a weird thing to see but it made it made for a really great like world made for great world building great story yeah and honestly 
it's really creative to to use buttons. I mean, the most creepy thing about this movie to me are the buttons. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and that is, uh, it's so interesting how this how this story is able to use that. Um, it's not something I would usually expect as as to to be scared of. You know, I mean, we all or most of us, I think, can look at dolls and be like, well, that's a little creepy. Hmm. But uh, I don't know for it to be specifically buttons and buttons sewing replacing your eyes is uh yeah is very uh well it is and what's something. weird <laughs> is the buttons are so our eyes are kind of like they're referred to as the windows to the soul and so like buttons taking that place is the lack of soul there's no there's nothing to be looked in at yeah it's opaque there's nothing mm-hmm. there and it's uh so I, I i thought that was it was really cool to see and it made me think like if we ever wanted a live action Coraline, that would be like a proper horror movie because that would be terrible to see everywhere is those button eyes um, yeah and then you might have the problem of getting the child to want to be there yeah exactly <laughs> like it, it only with, works with stop motion because style. of that yeah yeah um, and i mean we do also see of course that she's not surprisingly she's not creeped out by her doll that much <laughs> she gets. dude that doll would terrify me if someone gave me a doll yeah looks like, i'd be like oh my god why i'd be like why don't you take it back and put it back in your grandmother's trunk i don't want it <laughs> um uh what would what would your doll have Ian? Like what what would make? Because for her it was the rain jacket, blue hair, and her boots that like made the doll know. Like that was how she was recognizable, you know. Because mm-hmm. if you took the same doll, gave it different hair and different clothes, it wouldn't be Coraline, you know. Even if it has like the same yeah. shape, face, and all. Mm-hmm. So what? Like I'm cur- I'm just out of curiosity. What would your doll have that would be like? That's me. Would have to have a mustache. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, you give it, you know, a blonde mustache and uh, the blonde man bun. There you go. Okay, that's what I look like, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know, just put uh, put some jeans on it and a uh, leather jacket. Bam, that's me. <laughs> wow. Okay. Easy as that. Just, I also. Oh, what about? What mine about would have a leather jacket and jeans too. Yeah, and this is weird. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we could get ours confused by accident if I grew a mustache. <laughs> yeah don't you don't you have a black would yours be a black leather jacket oh mine is black is yours brown yeah bu- yeah oh, mine's okay. brown okay there you go that's our dolls would at least be distinguishable that's good to know <laughs> uh but like i was well what i was thinking about mine was like i could see it and because i so i usually wear like my quote-unquote classic outfit would be black boots blue jeans white shirt black leather jacket and then my hair is usually kind of just up um mm-hmm and dude if i saw a doll of it i would just be like that's a that's a regular looking doll because that's just a very generic look i feel like to see <laughs> right. on a doll so i just like that's a, it's a ken doll really it's like an old ken doll that's cool <laughs> <laughs> so i guess then you would you would sort of you wouldn't really be that worried about it it's not like oh this looks super like me it'd be like oh ha this kind of yeah. looks like me uh, until it, but it's and, just a regular doll until i saw it in like the hallway suddenly then i'd be like all right this thing <laughs> let's burn this thing now let's go ahead and get rid of this you know um i was actually expecting something uh even creepier in this movie at one point Mm -hmm. so when when the other yb wasn't talking and he just smiled all the time um and then later when they're uh, before they watch the circus there's all these cannons that shoot out cotton candy sticks Mm -hmm. and he never eats them Mm -hmm. and he never opens his mouth it's always sort of the smile 
And I thought we would get some sort of reveal that his mouth was sewn shut. I 100% thought the same thing. Yeah, like sewn shut on the inside or something. Yeah, yeah. And like you just, he opens it, but there's like, there's just like string there. Like Mm -hmm. there's nothing behind it. That would have been really creepy. But uh, I guess, I guess the problem with that is that YB wasn't, it was supposed to, the other YB was still supposed to be her friend in a way. And for that to happen, it'd probably be like, oh, why the other YB is actually an enemy. Um, it it would have just been really scary imagery too for her to see and not associate with the other YB, I feel like. Because yeah. as different as they are, the characters in the other world and in her world, as easy as they are to differentiate, still seeing some really scary imagery behind them would be disturbing to see and then go back to that to your original world. It'd be hard not to kind of have that image of them in your head after that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I that, that's what I was expecting, but um, I, I don't necessarily think that they should have done that, but yeah. it was something that I, I thought would happen. <laughs> I, I, I was on the same boat 100%. <laughs> um, last thing, dude, the cat, the cat was so smooth. That, what a smooth cat. What a cool cat. Yeah, and wasn't he um voiced by that guy who's I mean he's been in like a million things, but uh, like the villain from Breaking Bad. Oh, was he really? Um. Oh well, yeah, the guy who played Gus. Let Fring. me look it up real quick. Dude, yeah, that, let me that, look him up. If it is him, that actor's been in so many just like things, random little things. All right, let's see. Where is the cat? All right, no, I don't think it is that guy. Let's see. Is it? His name is Keith David. Okay. Well, still props to that guy, but Keith David did a great job here. He's known for his work as King and Platoon and Childs in The Thing. He's acted in mainstream He's a lot films. of things. Yeah, he really is. Men at Work. Something. He's about in Halo that. 3. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, his face looks wow. so familiar, but I don't know if I've seen any of his stuff. Oh, wasn't he in Community? Was he? This man's in Community, isn't he? In the later seasons? Yeah, he is. He's Elroy Pitash. That's right. Of course. Yeah, so so there you go. Uh, yeah, he's... he's um, character. Yeah, and he, he's voiced a lot of things. He's been around for a long while. And and yeah, he, he did a... He, he was a good voice for this, for the cat. Uh, it, yeah, he was just smooth. And I was just like, man, cat. You could you could tell me anything, and I'd be like, "Yeah, you got to figure it out, Ken." <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I I thought it was funny, of course, because Coraline throws the cat at Bedlam, and I'm like, oh, "Wow, yeah. okay." <laughs> I see how you just turn around to betray your, your cat friend. I was one hundred percent like, bring I it th- up. And then they bring it up later. Yeah, yeah, and then they bring it up later, of course. Where the cat, where she's like, sorry for throwing you at the bedlam, by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that they brought it up. Otherwise, it would have just been like, wow, she really just got away with throwing the cat. I don't know. It was crazy. Uh, but yeah, I 100% thought I looked at my phone or something and just must have missed when she said, like, I'm going to throw you at the bedlam. Because yeah. I was just, I was Here's so the plan. <laughs> yeah. I like, just see her whisper in his ear or something first. Something. <laughs> But but she, nope, she, she just picks them chucks up. them over there. It's like, wow, okay, cool. <laughs> Every man for himself, I see. <laughs> do what you gotta do. Yeah, holy crap. Uh, well, uh, are there any last words you want to say, Ian? Or 
before we go on to yeah. our surveys? Well, um, I guess I'll just say that uh, this is a good movie. I like the style, the characters. Uh, yeah, it's it's some good creepy, creepy stuff. I think it's also one of those movies where you could watch it with, with kids. I think it is rated PG. Mm. Um, maybe... But be aware of the kind of kid that you're letting watch. Exactly. Yeah, don't let don't let me watch it when I was a kid. <laughs> that, the kind that would stay up till five a.m. because of other mother or something. Yep. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's a it's a really solid uh, horror movie. I gotta say, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's got a unique story. I mean, unique and unique in a lot of ways, but also like you said, too much of a good thing, sort of fame, and yeah, it's it's good. I like it. I enjoy. It, yeah. Um. Speaking of how scary it is, our our audience, they saw, we asked on a scale of 1 to 10 how creepy did you find the movie? We got two fives, a six, and four sevens, dude. They were, which like, a seven's pretty all right. Like for, especially for a movie that is appropriate for kids, a seven is pretty solid to get. Um, Definitely. So people did find it pretty creepy. So we're not alone in that. And uh, I'm going to hit you with the fat paths of fear question. Are you ready, Ian? So yes. th- this time it wasn't what scared you the most necessarily. It was, was the creepiest aspect because the movie wasn't really supposed to scare you. It was supposed to creep you out. Yeah, movie, exactly. Which I think is fair. I think that was good to put on there. So uh, between the love of other mother turning to a desperate obsession, the idea of buttons being sewn over one's eyes, the imitation of one's parents by overly friendly imposters, or the mutation and decay of other mother's creations. Yeah, which is the creepiest between all those. Um, my my guess is that our audience thought that the the buttons being sewn over eyes was the, was the creepiest one. Interesting. Okay, was that the creepiest one for you? I would say so. Yeah, that's the creepiest one for me. Like just the idea, because uh, like she, the father even says at that dinner table, before, like when they're offering the eyes to her, he says like mm-hmm. it's so sharp, it's not even gonna hurt. And other mother has to like shut him up, and she's like, God damn, you talk too much um but like i was just like oh my god what it's not even like some fantasy where like she just puts buttons and your eyes are gone or something it's like she really properly sews this into your face and takes your eyes Mm -hmm. and that's just terrifying um no actually what most of them said the love of other mother turning to desperate obsession was actually the top choice and the creepiest aspect wow which i did not see coming honestly i would have guessed what you did um, what you did was the second place, and then the other two tied for third. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking at it now, and uh, that's really surprising. I don't know if we've ever had all four choices picked for Passive Fear. I don't so think that's we have, actually, actually. That's really cool that um, that everyone kind of got a little different uh, what they found to be creepiest out of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. That's really neat. Yeah, I, I thought, I, I was kind of worried after I made this question that it was going to be like 90%, like, almost everyone was going to pick the buttons over eyes and then one person was going to pick um like uh the imitation of one's parents or something yeah uh but no so i i'm i'm surprised yeah and and happy that there's this diversity um no i think it made for a great time we uh our kind of scenario question was so imagine you find a passage to another world that only you can see you can't make out much from the entrance but it doesn't seem imminently dangerous do you go in do you tell anybody else why or why not uh how about you Ian? do you go in do you take the chance do you go into the narnia realm 
I mean, how do you prevent yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that. Like, I, I do, I would say I have a lot of self-control. But there's just something different when you see something that you never thought you would ever see that you didn't even think could ever exist. How could you stop yourself from trying to explore it? And so I, I would have to think I'd go in. I, I think I would go in. I think I would call up a friend first or something i not I out probably of probably like, would too i don't think i'd do it out of like i'm scared to go in i'd do it because like i want i need someone else to see this just to one prove it's real to two just like experience it with me and then maybe out of like a little caution but mainly just because like this is something that someone else needs to see for sure yeah now now the one thing i will say is the key with this question which i uh, and i really wanted people to know this part is that it's a passage only you can see Mm -hmm. and so if you tell someone else it'll be just like in Coraline where when she brings over her when her mother's there it's bricked up but when she's by herself it's open yeah and so I mean that would just be really weird at that point I might think that I might be going a little cuckoo but I'd probably still go in because I'd be like oh well it's just my mind's being really weird. <laughs> I guess well, I like see what's took in some here. acid or something. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> let's, let's find out what's here. Well, we're in those tea leaves. I got. <laughs> um, so what did our audience say? So our first response, they would get multiple people to go first. And if they're fine, then I would enter no shame. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all right. There, there is a problem with this, of course. No one else can see it. Yeah, I and oh, I think oh, that yeah. they would run into that issue because I would run into that issue where like I call up my friend and then they can't see it and then I'd be like, oh, okay. And that would have yeah. made me cautious, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I could see that making someone cautious. Uh, yeah, it, at that point, I'd be like, I don't like, is this going to break my brain? Is my brain already breaking? Like, what's going on here? Maybe maybe um, I should just close this door and forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at that point, I'd be like, all right, this is not totally necessary. Um, yeah. But if I could still see it when they're around, unlike Coraline, where it's bricked up when her mom was around, if I could still see it when they're around, I would do it just like so they see me going through the brick wall or something. Um, <laughs> like I'd say, like you remember that scene in Harry Potter, and they'd be like, "What scene?" I just run through or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so fun. <laughs> you remember that scene in Harry Potter? <laughs> that would just be great. That's the best break you do on someone, man. Oh man, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Um, and the next person, so they said, "Yep, I would. I would also tell other people, but they'd probably think I was crazy, like YB did. I would do it because it's, or I would do it because secret passages are cool AF, especially if it's in my house. I just think it would be cool. Yeah, I can appreciate that. It depends on the secret passage for me. Um, <laughs> if we look, like, okay, so we're watching a show called Haunting of Hill House right now. Uh, with our audience just over the course of the month. And there are, there's a secret passage in that house that I won't get into because I want to spoil anything. But like, if I saw one that looked like that, I would be like, I don't, I don't know about that one. That one's that one. That one might be off limits for me right now. I, I guess if you see like some cryptic demonic writing over it, you're like, well, maybe not. Yeah, exactly. Like if like Cor Coraline's, it was lit up and it was all kind of like iridescent looking. I was like, all right, I'm about it. But <laughs> Yeah, if it was like covered in spider webs or something, I'd be like, okay, not not huge on that one. Well, let me vacuum this up. <laughs> um, another one says, I'd probably go in if it wasn't a tiny passage because claustrophobia, and they would definitely tell their friends about it and try to show them if I could. So we're finding that everyone wants to tell their friends. Is yeah, which is what I anticipated. Yeah, which is why I wanted uh, to put that little 
No. It's only you can see it part. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, everyone would be like, well, let me get my whole gang here and let's go at this together. <laughs> but it's a little different when you can't. Yeah. And that's the key. 100%. Um, our next is, I do not go in, but I would tell others. Eventually, someone would go in and let me know what's on the other side. Um, I definitely should have made it more evident that only yeah. you could see this passage. <laughs> <laughs> our next one got the idea. I guess it says, yeah, it sounds like fun. <laughs> I go for it, buddy. You do. You live your best life. Um. Uh, another one says I'm probably too chicken to go through it alone, so I tell a friend and then ask them to come. With. Okay, classic, mm -hmm. classic. Yep. Tell a friend. <laughs> Fine, they can't see it. <laughs> ask about the Harry Potter scene and jump through. That's <laughs> um. <laughs> the next one. Well, you got to grab the boys before going into weird worlds because I like that's. It's just a general rule. <laughs> if you read the bro code, it says if you go into a weird world, grab the boys first. Uh, um, because what if everyone speaks not your language? Then you're just going to be lonely. That's an interesting reason that you'll just be lonely. Because uh, the other people in the world may not be able to talk to you. Yeah, I would. I would just be more curious that there is this other world that <laughs> that uh, there are people in this other world that the other world that's, exists that's, in my home. It's like that's the answer you would give if you were going to a Disney World in France. It's like, yeah. well, I better bring friends since I can't talk to anyone there. <laughs> that's so true. But yeah, it's just uh, overall interesting answers. Uh, no one said if they would tell anyone else. I guess because most people grab their friend. Uh, if I did go through alone, I, would, I wouldn't tell anyone because it'd just be so fun to come back and be like, hey, look at this. I did this thing. <laughs> But then, like, that would also just be the coolest disappearance story. It was just like, I saw him go, like, I saw him go into the basement. He just never came out. Yeah, like, you go into the basement. You know, you can totally trick your friends with it. Like, you go in there, and then, like, later you just come out. And after someone's already looked there for you. Oh, yeah. Just like, the perfect you were in there? spot. Yeah. <laughs> They're just thinking you're Spider-Man. <laughs> you're somehow, like, attached to the ceiling or something. Dude, I've always wanted to do that in hide-and-seek. I wanted to just, like, get plungers or something and just stick to the ceiling and see if no one saw me. Just yeah, so that fun. would be great. Or just um, have someone duct tape me up there. I think you could do it if uh, you have to have walls that are very close um, yeah. to, like, hold yourself up there if you don't have anything else to hold you up there. But you can, you could do it, and that would be really cool. Although... If you're holding yourself up there, you're probably like grunting. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, it would be really awkward if like you fell behind them or something, or even just on top or, of them as they went under. It's like, I guess you found me. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, overall, I really enjoyed the movie. That was the end of our survey. Um, I just, it was a really great movie. I just love the themes it plays with. It kind of, it's reminiscent of Pan's Labyrinth to me in a manner. Mm -hmm. um and it and the fact it just it does a really great job of playing with kind of the fantasy world and turning into something a little scarier than what we would yeah. associate with fantasy and i do find it more interesting than um and i do like uh sort of you know the line that wish the wardrobe right mm -hmm. narnia uh but i do find this a little more intriguing uh that that sort of that 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 darkness that underlies the whole fantasy yeah because I, I think it's also a better message because generally speaking fantasies like not dreams but fantasies specifically uh can be unrealistic and it is sort of a careful what you wish for sort of a thing of not everything you fantasize is something that you would actually want to happen mm -hmm. um 
And I think that's a that's a more interesting thing to go into than a I would say magical world that you're into. Like, you know, I mean with Harry Potter and everything, obviously those are quite good and I like that. But when you have this sort of just darkness throughout the entire world, not just part of it, but the entire thing has underlying darkness, that's just more interesting to me. So uh, I like that they did that. I hundred percent agree. And the darkness exists within the world in such a manner that it's kind of believe and it's not just the darkness so to say it's more believable than that um Mm -hmm. my like i loved the first bit of lion the witch in the wardrobe of the narnia series Mm -hmm. because our characters are like thrown into the seemingly almost hostile world and it's just it's interesting that way until but then it's just good versus evil and it's just like Every time they go in, it's yeah. just an excuse to fight evil, really. That's that's when it doesn't get, like, like imagine if it was more, they walked into Game of Thrones suddenly. Yeah, exactly. That there's all cool. these different families fighting, and they don't know what's going on. They don't know who's good or who's bad. Like, that would be way more interesting than, like, oh, we found, like, at yeah. first we were really confused. My stupid brother went off with the evil witch queen because she had good candy. <laughs> and and Classic. then we found this awesome lion who was really cool. And then bad versus good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's it's just boring that way. It's it, it the, the series itself, even when I was a kid, didn't really catch my attention. I think that is kind of the mm-hmm. root of it. Um, but when the whole fantasy itself is a trap, mm-hmm. that that's interesting. That, that is really cool. And just for the fantasy itself to not be entirely a fantasy is just wonderful. Because mm-hmm. um, any of us would like to go into a world and then beat up the bad guy. That would be just fun. <laughs> uh, while riding a lion or something that's just yeah or <laughs> unicorn yeah and but yeah just it's the, a fantasy world that is corrupt in its nature to an extent is so much more intriguing and appealing yeah i always love the sort of corruption aspects uh the hp lovecraftian oh, dude, sort of lovecraft, thing yes. is is awesome um just the, the creeping corruption is, yeah uh, it's cool stuff uh, this isn't quite that but uh, still has that Plays really creepy themes, element. Yeah. yeah and honestly, that... like reading about the Beldum would be something I'd almost expect in Lovecraft, you know? She just wouldn't be like a spider. She'd be like a giant tentacle thing that like slaps you around or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slaps you around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although I will say I, I loved her design um, because, of course, she was because she, she sewed dolls, right? Mm-hmm. So she was essentially made out of needles yeah uh, and that was pretty that was pretty cool design there it was yes um and uh, yeah i think I, I don't have any more to say overall good movie definitely recommend yeah. uh any yeah. any last words you got ian you know uh i recommend this movie but not quite as much as marshall does yeah i'd say that's i'd say that's fair based on our ratings <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we uh We'll catch y'all in the next one. Thank you for stopping by. Make sure we have a Twitch stream that we stream on every Wednesday and Saturday. And do you want to tell them about the movie night, Ian? Yeah, and we got uh, we got a movie night every Friday at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We're always in the Mountain Standard Time. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you would like to be a part of our audience, you know, if you'd like to participate, if you'd like to help choose the movies we watch and watch them with us and answer the questionnaires then please uh, click on that Discord link in this episode's description. And I think that's all we got for y'all. Thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for listening. Audible.